Well, hey, everyone. What is up? Welcome or welcome back. My name is Austin. This is Gospel Simplicity, a place where we're passionate about the beautiful simplicity and transformative power of the gospel. And I am so glad that you're here today. Today, you'll be seeing an interview with Father Mark Mary Ames, who is the Director of Communications for the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal in New York City. If you're not familiar with their work, I'll be leaving links to it in the description. It is absolutely wonderful between the podcast, the music, the books. It's really, really great. I think you're going to enjoy it. What I'm so excited about in this interview is that we're getting a chance to really talk about spirituality. I love getting to do kind of uh, comparative religion stuff or find theological points or, you know, doctrinal controversies, dogmatic, systematic theology. Look, I can do that all day. I love it. But honestly, I cherish most getting to do videos like this one, where we get to talk about what it means to follow Jesus and how to do that well, even when it's hard. And so I really hope you enjoy this video. I know that I did. Before we get to the video, though, I do want to say a quick thank you to the people that deserve thanks for this. To my patrons, subscribers, and merch buyers who make this channel possible, thank you so much for your support. Especially to my patrons, the people who give monthly out of great generosity to help this channel not only be sustainable, but to continue to grow into exciting and new things. Thank you all so much. If you want to support this channel and support me, uh, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash gospel simplicity. You'll find that link in the description down below. I also want to thank our sponsor for today, Kindred. Kindred is a ministry that exists to help people reclaim sacred time with God in their daily lives, something that we're kind of talking about in this video. And they do that by creating these beautiful Bibles complete with full-page photos and beautiful text layouts that will cause you to slow down and read more contemplatively. And if you watch to the end of the video, you'll actually hear Father Mark Mary talk about the practice of Lectio Divina, which these Bibles are specifically made for. So if you want to check them out, you can go to kindredapostle.com and use the promo code GOSPEL10 for 10% off your order. With all that in mind, here's the video. Today, I am joined by Father Mark Mary Ames. Father Mark Mary Ames is the Director of Communications for the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal and a regular contributor on the YouTube channel Ascension Presents, as well as the podcast Poco a Poco. He is the author of the recent book, Habits for Holiness, Small Steps for Making Big Spiritual Progress. Father Mark Mary, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, awesome. What's going on? It's good to be with you. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the invitation. It is absolutely my pleasure, and I would love to start with just a little bit of background for your story. How did you end up as a Franciscan? So I'm, I'm a, I live right now in uh, in Harlem, New York, but I'm originally from Orange County, California, and the the quick version of it is basically I went to college at a school called Loyal Marymount University, which is like a, a Jesuit university out in the L.A. area. And that's where freshman year of college, where I had my kind of all in for Jesus moment, where um, I just realized that I believed and it needed to affect the rest of my life. And, and I was helping out with like a youth group retreat. And one of the speakers sort of mentioned in passing Mother Teresa. And I just it was really just like this anointed moment where I just really felt the spirit like just come down upon me and like convict my heart. And, like, and it was like pretty emotional, but I just knew I just knew that I was made to give my life to the poorest of the poor and nothing else would satisfy and so, so I, I, I came to know Jesus, and, I, and then I, I kind of like, I just fell in love with, with the poor, and I really felt like the Lord gave me this grace. Um, and then really, as I, as I kind of progressed in my journey, particularly learning about the sacraments, um, the Eucharist and, and confession, the desire to be a priest started to well up. And so I was looking for a place 
where I could work with the poor, where I could be a missionary, but also where I could be a priest. And it was at, at In-N-Out Burger. Do you know what In-N-Out Burger is? I do. Yeah. So, so it was at In-N-Out Burger in Anaheim Hills, California, where I met this, this kid after some young adult group. And he said, hey, there's this group of like Franciscans out in New York who are hardcore and sleep on the ground. And to my 19-year-old sensibility to that time, it was like the most intense thing I'd heard about. And so I was like, I looked them up that night, you know, Franciscans, New York, whatever. And I read our constitutions, which is where we say like how we live. And it was like my heart and piece of paper. It's like this, if this is true, if this is really what they live, this is everything I'm looking for. And so that was, that was the journey, how the Lord brought me to the Franciscans, particularly the Franciscan friars of the renewal. Um, he just kind of, he made it, made it really clear and it happened pretty quickly. That's really neat. Thank you for sharing that. And I've been really intrigued by the work you all are doing there in New York with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. And for those that are curious, I imagine there's more to it than sleeping on the ground in New York. But what exactly, what are you guys up to and what, what, uh, what does that mean, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal? Great. And so, right, so um, just to kind of give a, a real quick history based off of, uh, you know, if we have listeners from different backgrounds, right? So, um, Saint Francis, Saint Francis of Assisi, he was he he was born and lived in about the 13th century, and he was following Jesus in this radical way, um, living very simply, living in poverty, working with the poor. And as he was following the Lord, sort of poor and humble in this way, um, people started to be attracted to it and started to follow him. And so it ended up developing into the order, which we know as the, the Franciscan Friars. Um, and over over time, right, because sort of what makes Franciscans Franciscans is, is sort of how, how they do something as opposed to what they do. And so it's a little bit of like this disposition, um, which means that there's a lot of different expressions that it could take. And so over the years, Franciscans have kind of developed and different groups have, have been formed with different emphases or different works. And, uh, and there's, I don't know, there's probably more than, there's probably 10, 20, 25,000 Franciscans in the world, maybe more. Um, with a lot of different orders and some are in hospitals some teach some are in high school some are like um sort of doing what we do kind of uh working with the poor or some are doing all of it but in in 1987 uh our own group started the franciscan friars of the renewal and there was we had eight founders and um they all were previously capuchins and just kind of felt called to to live kind of the franciscan life in, in a particular way and so some of the things which which make us unique or um, which kind of are, we, we prioritize. Uh, we certainly call prayer the heart of our life. Um, the most important thing that we do is, is live our life of prayer. And our prayer schedule, um, it, kind of, it, it has about four or five hours of prayer each day. And um, that's, with, that's with kind of the word. That's with um, what we call the bravery, uh, the liturgy of the hours, with daily mass, daily Eucharistic holy hour. Um, and, and we pray that together. And then, um, so that's kind of the main thing. And then we live as brothers. And so we're all going to be in a friary. And uh, typically, typically a friary, which is where friars live, right? A friary. Um, there's going to be four to 10 brothers. And, and we live together. We work together. We cook together. Um, we, we, we spend our, have our meals together. And so really, it's like this relationship with the Lord, the relationship with one another, which forms the man, which forms the disciple and forms the friar. And then from this pours out our work, our apostolate, which would be uh, typically material assistance to the poor and then evangelization, preaching, retreats, spiritual direction, sacraments, things like that. 
Wow, that's really interesting. Thanks for giving that background too. I think it's always helpful for people that might not be aware to see where things came from and how they've gotten to where they are. And along those similar lines, I'd be curious. So this started with eight guys and they this order, if or I guess this group within the order, is that how you'd say that? Uh, the Franciscan Friars of the Renault. You guys have become somewhat well-known in the small corners of the internet that I'm in at least through podcasts, music, stuff on Ascension Presents. How did that exactly come about? Yeah, great question. So... Um, so again, kind of, it's slightly kind of uh, technical is there was our founders were all, um, were all members of the Capuchin order, which is most well known because of like St. Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio would have been a Capuchin. Um, and they actually, they actually began a new order. So it's not just an order within a different Franciscan order, but it's, it's kind of a new branch on the Franciscan tree, you could say, but it's its own unique, um, entity. So, so they started this, this new order and, um, help me. I'm, I got a little lost in the details. Remind me of what, <laughs> where we're going. Yeah. Just, oh, how so, did we get on the, the internet? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so sorry about that. So no. before they began, um, this new order, father Benedict Rochelle and father Andrew Apostoli, who were two of those eight were pretty well-known, um, Catholic preachers and speakers and teachers particularly on this Catholic television network called EWTN, which in the 80s, in the late 80s, was sort of uh, the main place to go for Catholic media. And so they were, they were pretty significant figures um, in their time. And so we kind of got well known for that. One of the founders was very musical and, and kind of enwrapped. And, and so there was something of the novelty of it. And he was kind of really, um, really driven, really passionate, really sort of St. Paul-esque. And so they just, they've been out there and they've just been, um, they've just kind of been like, they've just been kind of in the, in, the, in the spotlight and using the tool of media to reach as many people as possible from the very beginning. And then as time unfolded over the, over the last few years, we've um, kind of continued in that vein and, and the Lord seems to have opened up some doors with, with Ascension Presents, um, with kind of our, our social media presence, um, with continuing kind of the music tradition. So it's just, for whatever reason, it's kind of been in our DNA since we started. That's really neat and how it kind of bridges maybe two worlds that previously in some ways, you know, weren't always being bridged. And I think it's also interesting that you guys are doing this in New York City. I think a lot of people think of maybe, you know, uh, the life of a friar or the just the religious life in general being something that, that takes you far away from where everyone else is. But you guys are doing this in the midst of New York. What kind of unique challenges and joys does that bring? Yeah, and I think you're you're hitting on something that, that'd be good to um, kind of define a little bit. Is right, like um, monks live in monasteries, and typically monks they're going to be kind of the religious who live maybe out on out in a farm or out in the valley or in the mountaintop. And part of the novelty that came with the mendicant orders, the Franciscans and Dominicans in the 13th century, was that the, um, those who were giving themselves, themselves totally to God, consecrating their lives totally to God, um, weren't just going to live kind of remotely and have people come to them, but were going to be in the heart of the city. And so friars have often been referred to as like monks in the marketplace or sort of, you know, so this whole thing of, of us living in the city, it's very much a friar thing, which Franciscans do and, and Dominicans do. Um, I, I don't know, like living in the heart of New York City, like I don't know if I'd want to live here if I was in any other vocation. 
um, you know, there's just a lot going on. And, uh, yeah, I grew up with like a yard and stuff like that. And so having, for example, just like a tiny apartment and that's where you live, uh, would be tough. But for, for the work we do, uh, there's no place I'd rather be. Um, I, I do. I love, I love the personality. I love, uh, the character of, of the city, but also I love the fact that there's, there's just so many people here. And so it's, 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 um, it's really easy for those in need to come to our door. It's really easy for us to go and meet as many people as, as, as possible. Um, so I love, yeah, I love, I love being in New York. We're also, you know, outside of New York as well, but I think for some guys just living in the city is uniquely challenging. Uh, but I do love it for what we do. Yeah. That is kind of part of the unique, um, the unique vocation, I suppose, of Franciscans and Dominicans of really being in the midst of the people. And if your you know, calling is to help people, well, <laughs> New York has no shortage of people. And so that, that really works out, I suppose, in a way. You know, one reason I was really excited to have you on the show today was because in kind of the, the circles I run in, I host a lot of Catholics, Orthodox, Protestants, and generally there's a lot of conversations around apologetics, which I, I enjoy uh, that kind of area of theology. It stretches me. It's all really interesting. But sometimes I feel like on the internet, at least in the circles I run in, there's kind of a lack of maybe more of that like spiritual substance going on. And I'd be curious, you know, I... I've noticed this in some people that I see that are maybe converting to Catholicism. They get really passionate about the arguments and how to, you know, articulate these things in a in a compelling way. But then maybe that's kind of like the the full depth of it. It stays as this kind of intellectual thing in general. Um, it, I first like is that something you've noticed? And maybe what would you say to people who, for them, the faith is primarily a thing of the mind? What what does like a faithful Catholic spiritual life look like? Yeah, and I think I think it's a really great um, observation, Austin. And it is something that um, I don't I don't know that I have like a final judgment on as far as um, the merits or or not. Of, but I, but I am just sort of like curious and observing because I do think. Um, and again, like I do a lot of talks and a lot of media stuff, and so I'm I'm in this space. Um, but I do think we want to we want to pay attention that we're kind of not talking to, we're not talking about Jesus or talking about the faith as like um, just kind of a concept or a theory or a philosophy or um, a place for us to kind of kind of get our, our, our intellectual kind of mind stimulated and, and et cetera. Like it's first and foremost, it is about this relationship. And so I do really, you know, challenge people that like if you're watching a bunch of talks and you're watching a bunch of debates and you're watching and you're doing a lot of sort of apologetics, but but you're not praying every day, um, we we want to look at that because in my in my in my estimation, my observation, kind of my working hypothesis is that the primary struggle we have, the primary crisis we have in the world, is the crisis of prayer. Um, that that people aren't praying and. Um, you can't live this life without without this relationship with the Lord, and you're not meant to do it alone, and you can't do it alone. Um, so I do. Um, I'm very much very passionate about this, and very a lot of what I'm trying to do with our podcast, with the book, with kind of everything is just just really encouraging people to make these basic steps of prayer. And um, and it's not. There's no reason that there's no there's no competition or reason to pit like the intellectual life versus like the interior life. And if it's done well, right, it's going to be well integrated and both are going to serve each other. 
but um, it is a little bit probably easier to get to give our time and our energy to some of the curiositas, some of the like the kind of just kind of fun stuff uh, without doing that interior spiritual work. Yeah, I really like what you said there about the the crisis of our time is is a crisis of prayer. I would love to dig into that a bit more, and it's very much in line with where I'd like to go today. You you know you, you've written this book on habits of holiness, which I'd like to talk about in general as far as how habits and holiness uh, relate. So maybe I'll put like a little bookmark in that. But talk to me a bit more about that crisis of prayer and how that might in turn lead to a crisis of a lack of holiness, perhaps? And how are these things related? Yeah, and, and maybe um, maybe we'll, we'll, if it's all right, we might just bring like a, a working definition of holiness yeah, into the situation and then go with that. Like um, like holiness is, 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 is allowing like the life of God to be lived in you, right? It's, it's being full of grace. It's being um, kind of more and more united to the Holy One. Um, which is the Lord himself. And so the more that we have this relationship, the more that we have this intimacy, the more that we have this union, we have what we call holiness. Um, sometimes, and this is what we can kind of in particularly come back to, sometimes we, we do have a bit of a, a wrong idea of holiness insofar as that we, we kind of take um, how we achieve worldly greatness or success and apply some sort of spiritual practices to it with the idea that we're going to achieve holiness as a, as how we would like achieve um, achieve sort of some sort of um, athleticism or intelligence or things like that, how we actually are united to the Lord is going to actually look quite different than how sort of worldly success looks like. But but probably we'll come to that. And so the first and foremost, what we're getting at is is again allowing the life of God to be lived in us to to being into this relationship and to being receiving, receiving grace and drinking deeply from the living waters. And the, the, what I've found to be helpful is, is this little reminder that like the spiritual life is a real life. And to use the, the kind of image of like a plant, for example, so you have a rose bush is you can, um, you can kill a rose bush. You can kill a rose bush by like, by blunt force. You can, you can cut it. Um, you can suffocate it. You can smash it. Um, you can apply, you can do something very directly that can kill sort of the life of the plant. And that's what we would consider sort of like some serious sin. I can do these actions, which, which, um, even kill the life of, of grace in, in the soul. Like I can, I can, I can, uh, lose sanctifying grace we talk about, but also, right. You can kill a plant through neglect by not watering it, by not feeding it, by not giving it sunlight. And in these more kind of passive ways, um, ultimately, if the, if the plant is not fed, it'll die as well. And I think this is true for, for the spiritual life, for our life with the Lord, is it's not enough just to avoid serious sin. We also have to be feeding um, our spiritual life as well. And the, the catechism of the Catholic Church uses like really bold language here, quoting St. Alphonsus Liguori. It says that, um, something along the lines of, this is basically the quote, that he who prays is surely saved. And he who does not pray is surely damned. And the other way of saying it is basically this. It's like the plant that is, you know, fed and given light and taken care of will surely live. And the plant that's put in a closet and neglected for two years will surely die. It's just saying like, yeah, the, the spiritual life's a real life and it's not being fed and cared for every day. Um, slowly but surely, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to dwindle even to the point of, of, of dying. Wow, that's, that's a really 
wonderful way of putting it. And I think you hit on something there that so often we think of the spiritual life as almost like this sin management, like how do I avoid killing this, but not necessarily thinking of how do I water this, which I think is a really important point. And I'd love to go ahead and chase the rabbit trail that you brought up of how how is it different of say I want to learn Latin. I've got a textbook here. I'm going to apply certain things I want to be good at. Like I, there's these principles. How, what are maybe the differences and similarities between like striving after being good at Latin or being good at baseball and then living or striving after a life of holiness? How, how do those things kind of um, relate to one another? Because you brought up that it's not going to be quite the same. And I'd love to hear you talk about that a bit. Yeah, and and probably, um, probably it'll be still a little bit nebulous or unclear. I don't know that I have a super succinct or tight explanation of it. But the the, the primary sort of starting point for me is that uh, I I understand that our our response that which we do um, is it's in right order when it's a response, right? It's um, Christianity and, and discipleship. It's a response relationship. It's it's responding to the love that we've already received. So it's, it's receiving the Lord's love. It's being filled with it. And then out of gratitude, out of, um, out of our own love, then we respond. And then we kind of do these, these types of things. Um, it's not that we go and conquer grace. It's not that we go and achieve. It's not that we go and show, first and foremost, like how, God, how, how worthy he is and how good he is. Because our very best is never going to be very good, to be honest. Um, the story, the story of salvation history, it's never a story of, of man, sort of corporate man, climbing the mountain of holiness and coming to God, be, being made sort of worthy. It's always the story of God coming and stooping down to us, um, coming to us in our brokenness, in our weakness, in our, in our need, and saving us again and again. And so I think that our response and the way we give ourselves to the Lord and that which we do, it's most holy and most pure when it comes from this place of like, I've been saved and I've been loved and I've been looked upon in my lowliness. Um, and so I, I want to, I want more. I want to give Jesus everything. I want to make Jesus known. I want to learn more about he who has loved me this way. And, and so that's probably um, the interior disposition we want to cultivate. Um, certainly now, and it's hard. It really is hard because we want to, um, we want to do the work of meriting the gift as opposed to the work of just like receiving the gift. And um, I think I think a good example is um, like Jesus, right? When he gives us the model of prayer, he 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 has this this juxtaposition of of the Pharisee and and sort of the sinful the sinful man. And the Pharisee, he's you know he's in the temple and he's talking about how great he is. And he's like, thank you, Lord, for making me so much better than all these other people. And then there's this other, the one who Jesus holds up as the model of prayer is the one who just, who can't even look, lift his eyes up and just like, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And um, Christian excellence looks a lot like that. Like, Jesus, um, I need you. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, and, and, it, and that is cultivated uh, over time. Yeah, I think that's a really great way of illustrating it. One way I'm fond of, fond of talking about it is making sure that we're, making God the hero of the story and not ourselves. And that I would say, I'd be willing to bet that, you know, any saint people uh, like whose lives they maybe study or look at, or maybe just anyone in their own life that they really admire their spiritual walk, they probably do have these strong habits that they're, they're doing consistently to grow in that. But they don't see those as the 
that making them the hero of their story that they've somehow like hacked holiness and they've figured it out by their own strength. But there are those habits there as well. And so I think that ties into your book, right? So you're giving people these steps they can take, but at the same time, it sounds like you're not saying, you know, do one, two, three, four, five, and then you'll just be the best at this. And there you've done it. Is, is that fair enough to say? Yeah, I think that's great. And I think I'm, I'm really grateful that, um, that we've kind of come to this place in the conversation. Um, would it be all right if I, if I kind of introduce this with a little story? Of course. Yeah, because I, I recently just gave a, like a talk kind of on the book, and this is how I introduced it, because I do think this is a really important um, starting place or just example. Is it, I told the story of, of the day I was ordained a priest. So I'm just coming up pretty soon, actually. I'll be a priest for three years. And um, it was, I was ordained at St. Patrick's Cathedral, which if you're familiar with it, it's sort of like it's a, it's a big, beautiful cathedral, um, even for sort of international standards. And um, it's kind of, yeah, it's just, it's a big place. It's a big, it's a big, it's a big thing, right? And I'd been pursuing the priesthood for something like, um, well, I was 19, I got ordained. So like 14 years, for 14 years, I'd been journeying towards this day, uh, very kind of intentionally. And so 14 years coming up to this place, St. Patrick's Cathedral, a couple thousand people, I'm being ordained with 10 guys. And there's a tradition in your, like for your ordination of being uh, vested by a priest who's kind of mentored you. And so the idea is you get ordained, and then as you put on for the first time the priestly, the chasuble, the priestly um, vestment, that the one who helps you with it is, is a priest, and it's a little gesture of gratitude. And so I, I was, I, a priest was coming out from California, and, and he's, he's quite a bit older, and he was coming late. And so I'm standing in the aisle, again, thousands of people with the 10 guys I'm being ordained with. And I'm a little bit distracted as I'm waiting for him to come and he's late and just wanted to make sure he got settled in. And, and just about 10 minutes before um, he arrived, we got him back in the sanctuary, got him to where he, he needed to be. But in the midst of that, I was kind of distracted. And as you're ordained, you wear a deacon stole. So you wear an alb, which is the full white kind of under robe thing. And then the, the deacon stole, which goes kind of across your body in, in an angle. And so I, I throw on my deacon stole real quick and we process in and there's, again, there's thousands of people with their phones, they're crying, they're big smiles. Um, it's, it's just, it's a very big and epic thing. And then you go up the tall stairs of St. Patrick's Cathedral and you're there under these big spotlights, cameras, the Cardinal Archbishop of New York, Cardinal Dolan, who's bigger than life, who's larger than life. And as I'm there looking at the, looking at the Cardinal in front of these thousands of people with the spotlights, kind of like making me sweat, they're so intense. Um, I looked at the guy in front of me and I realized that his, his deacon stole was like a, was going the opposite direction of mine. And I looked at the other guys and I realized that all of that, basically I realized that I'd put my deacon stole on backwards, which, so I'm there in front of everybody at St. Pat's, Pat's uh, like elevated, right? And you see like this guy, this guy, this guy, me and everybody else. And so it's like, I had to, I'm there. It's basically like I showed up to my wedding day with like, and I put like my pants on backwards um, and everyone could see it, you know? And so there's this, this, this moment I'm like, Oh my, can I, are you serious? Like, did this really happen? And um, as I, I went back, we sat down and I kind of did one of these like little shimmies adjusting it to try and fix it. But I had this, this beautiful experience of the Lord of, of this kind of conversation in it where he's like, you know what? Like you can't even get dressed right. And I'm still choosing you. You know, I'm still choosing you to be my priest because it's not, it's not about you. 
Uh, it's about me choosing you and me being there to provide for you that I'll be your strength. And so your confidence and your peace is, is in me. And it's, and it's not, it's not about you anyway. And, and I think that's really important is, is certainly as a priest, certainly as a friar, certainly as a Christian, we want to respond and we want to create space and we want to love the Lord. But what, what that moment taught me is again, is like, just, just remember, like you're not earning love. Just remember this is, uh, you don't need to impress me. Um, you're never going to be anything. To, like, I'm just going to love you where you're at. And, and I share that because I do think that um, one common struggle that we have as, like, basically, I just want to start there when we're talking about, like, habits for holiness, because this is not about proving love. Um, our response is not about proving anything. It's not about, um, it's just not really about us at all. It's about like the Lord loves us and he looks upon us with love and tenderness and kindness. And we're already seeing where we're at. And we're just trying to let him heal us. We're just trying to, to love him. And we're just trying to create the space so that he can kind of recreate us in his image. And so so I kind of want to start with that. Um, did that make a little bit of sense? That made a lot of sense. And I think it's a really powerful shift for a lot of people because I think a lot of people might go into their relationship with God in this sense of, I'm trying to do this so that God does this. And what you've kind of highlighted is this, what you talked about is like response, right? Like God took that first step and continues to be, he's the one who saves us. And and we're living in response to that in gratitude. And not that what we do is unimportant because of that, but we're not doing this so that God might love us, that if we can hit this threshold of it. Um, And I I think that's a powerful shift in how, how we think and probably how we relate to God, because there's much more insecurity when we think, man, like if I don't do this, like, or I, I'm in jeopardy of um, God not loving me, or I'm, I'm trying to earn this thing. And again, not that what we do is unimportant, but when we have that mindset, I think we probably look at God different than in recognizing that he does love us and we live in light of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so like, so our work I think our primary work is the work of like creating the space of becoming more dependent of, 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 um, of trusting him more of, of giving him more control of our lives as opposed to us again, like conquering or attaining. And, and I, and I share this cause I do think this is, this is like the fruit of my own journey. And it's the, it's the journey of a lot of people, you know, um, our group, the friars, we do live like a pretty austere life and we do do some pretty intense things with the hours of prayer, with the simplicity of life, with the fasting, uh, with, with things like that. And so often like, you know, young men will come in and, and myself like that and like, all right, we're in the chapel and we're, we're saying the rosary. So I'm going to kneel down for 45 minutes or whatever it is as like an expression of, of how much I love the Lord. And, and it's like, okay, like there's, there's a place for, for, there's a place, there's definitely a place for, for, for reverence and kneeling and there's a place for discipline. But if you think this like somehow means that like, <laughs> this is how you're going to show God how much you love him. Uh, let's take a look at that. Right. Cause for example, even the, the gospel account of, of Martha and Mary, um, Mary, Mary's doing the work of just being there and receiving and allowing the Lord to, to love him, love her first and foremost, while Martha's out like doing all this stuff. And Jesus is like, hey, Martha, you're just anxious about so many things, but one thing is necessary. And what's the first thing necessary is just to f- sit at the feet of the master and to receive. Um, and so like our prayer life, which again, is it's ex- extensive. It's first and foremost, 
about creating the space to listen to the Lord, to, to sit at his feet and allow him to love us, to be filled with him so that then we, like what we do is an outpouring of the fullness as opposed to kind of this work of achieving or proving. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think it can be so easy for our motives to get mixed up in these things, maybe even subconsciously, but we think we're going to go to the highest degree so that we feel like we've done this right, not because we genuinely want to do this out of gratitude to God. And now I'm not saying that that characterizes most people, but I think it's something worth asking ourselves because it can be so easy to go over that line and be like, actually, I'm doing this so that maybe other people see me doing this, or I'm doing this so that I feel like you know, now I'm worthy before God, or I'm doing this so that rather than I'm doing this in light of what God has done. Yeah, and I think a, a good, uh, the Lord gives us that, the gospel, the the parable of the weeds and the wheat, right? And so there's this, there's this field, and the weeds and the wheat are growth, are both growing together. And sort of the, the people working the field are saying, come to the master and like, hey, should we like go and get rid of all of these, these weeds? It's like, no, not yet. Like, give it time because, like, when you're getting the weeds out, you might be getting the wheat out as well. And I think this speaks into this, right? Hey, you know what? Like, maybe our, our motivations are a little bit mixed. Maybe our motivations are a little bit off. Maybe we have some weeds and some wheat growing in, in our discipleship. But don't worry about that too much. Don't worry about that too much. Um, give the Lord time, and as, as life unfolds, this will get worked out. But it's good just to have some, some awareness of, like, an invitation to discernment about, like, why why I'm doing what I'm doing and to to begin that dialogue of Lord hey like I really do feel like I need to earn your love again and again and again but maybe that's not true Lord like can you kind of can you show me can you show me what's true so so I think it's just pastorally it's important for people not to not to get discouraged but just be okay I'm on a journey and and little by little this is going to unfold yeah that's a great point I really appreciate you adding that you know before we pivot to some more distinctly uh, franciscan things that i want to talk about and i want to maybe go through um which isn't distinctly franciscan but the vows um one thing i want to ask which i always try to ask in conversations like these is and i'm sure you get this kind of thing a lot of hey you know father it's great that that you're talking about holiness and i'm i'm sure that's great for you when you know you're praying four hours a day and you're doing all these intense things but I'm not a Franciscan. I'm a college student. I'm a mom. I'm a accountant. I'm doing this, that, or the other. What would you say to those people who feel like holiness is for maybe you, but isn't a really attainable thing for them? Um, Yeah. Well, how would you speak into that? Hey, we'll be right back to the interview. But first, I want to tell you about another sponsor for today, and that is Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a group of Christian counselors that exist to help you get the help you need. You know, one of the first YouTube videos I ever made was called You Can Have Jesus and a Therapist Too. And what I wanted to do in that video was draw out the fact that so many people are struggling with mental health. And the last thing we want to do is make it more difficult for people to reach out to get the help they need by creating this stigma around it. It's something that I'm really passionate about and think we need to end in Christian circles. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with Faithful Counseling. Their counselors all will be counseling from a Christian perspective. And you can 
connect with them from any country in the world. They have counselors that speak many different languages. And hey, if you, it's important to you to have a counselor from your specific tradition or background, they can do their part to try to pair you up with one of them as well. All of their counselors are licensed with over 3,000 hours of experience. You can connect with these counselors in a variety of ways. Four, in fact, you can do video sessions, phone calls, live chat, or messaging. All of the messaging is secure. And if it's between scheduled ses sessions, you'll receive a response within 24 to 48 hours. If this is interesting to you, if you think this would be helpful for you or maybe a loved one, I'd encourage you to go to faithfulcounseling.com slash gospel simplicity. If you do that, first of all, you'll get 10% off your order and you'll be matched with a counselor in less than 24 hours. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash gospel simplicity to be matched with a counselor in less than 24 hours and get 10% off your first month. Faithful counseling costs $260 per month, which gets you unlimited messaging with your counselor and four 30-minute sessions. But again, if you go to faithfulcounseling.com slash gospel simplicity, you'll get 10% off that first month. Lastly, faithful counseling is not a crisis line. If you are currently experiencing suicidal thoughts or ideation, please reach out to a crisis line or hotline. You can find one of them at www.crisistextline.org. Please do so. Reach out. You do not have to do this alone. Well, thank you all so much, and I will let you get back to the video, but if you want to check them out, again, faithfulcounseling.com slash gospel simplicity. The link is in my bio and in the pinned comment. Well, back to the interview. Yeah, and again, that's 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 a great question, and uh, I, I, I think that the primary question we want to get to or is going to be kind of like, hey, like, how's your relationship with, with Jesus, right? Because this is the whole thing, like the most holy trinity deeply desires to have like a real relationship with all of us and no no state in life, no work exempts us from that. Um, what it looks like, the externals and how this relationship is expressed is going to be different, but, um, but intimacy with the Lord um, and, and growing in union with the Lord is, is absolutely for everybody. We do get in, right. We do get a little bit in trouble when we have a caricature of holiness as sort of um, kind of doing all these dramatic, unordinary things. But a lot of the best holiness is going to be found in husbands loving their wives well and parents loving their kids well. Um, we even talk about like one of the things that comes up in in habits for holiness is this this idea of like the altar of the desk that as a college student, as you give yourself um, to your own study, uh, to your betterment, to, to kind of developing these tools which are going to help you, whatever, serve the world, serve your family in the future, like that these, these, are, these are places of holiness and of grace as well. Um, so I think holiness is for all of us. Part of the difficulty is that we sometimes forget that um, ordinary things are also like very graced and glorious things as well. Um, but, but, so that so that's kind of one response, and the second is this: is uh, there is no there's no state in life or no person, no Christian, who doesn't have an invitation and a call to daily prayer. And again, like what that looks like, can vary quite a bit. And um, part of the part of the privilege of celibacy and of my vowed life is that I do have the space for four or five hours, and and that's not what uh, most of us are going to be called to. Um, but can you get 10 minutes in? Like, I, I, I think that um, I, I do, I do kind of want to challenge and lean into that as I do think um, we do want to prioritize having some prayer time every day, no matter what our state in life is. 
Yeah, and I think it's often humbling to look at the things. And again, I, I don't say this to to beat people over the head or beat myself over the head because I don't think that's productive. But when we look at, you know, we can say I don't have time for prayer, but we see the things that we do make time for and probably can pretty quickly realize that if we prioritize it, there's time somewhere in there for more time to prayer than we're probably giving, even though it might not be four hours a day. I also really appreciate what you talked about of like the altar of the desk and seeing not necessarily such a divide between like the the sacred and the profane of or the like the sacred and the secular that hey like your your college studies can be an act of worship. Is there any maybe tip you would give people for being able to make that shift because I think that can be difficult for people. They hear that maybe and think, "Oh, that that's intriguing, but how do we live in light of that? How do I you know, how does someone study as an act of worship? Yeah, great. And I think to, I'm grateful this comes up. I don't really talk about it, but this was my one of my primary faults um, as I kind of had what we called like my conversion in college is I became so focused on the Lord and like prioritized, if you will, like the heavenly things to such an extent that it, it made like academics seem like sort of a waste of time. And so I really kind of, I, I did very poorly in school and even like had to, didn't pass some classes because like I'm working for the salvation of souls and the glory of God. Like who cares about macroeconomics, you know? Um, but that's just not, that's not a great spirituality. And so I do think, I think we want to get, it's, it is a bit of a journey, but we want to do want to get down to this question of like, okay, like why, why am I in school? Um, and if I'm if I'm if I'm studying and if I'm I'm on this journey of education at the service of something good, well, can we see there that like okay, this is part of the work of the journey of of even if it is just preparing myself to be a businessman so that I can kind of serve the economy and provide for my family and raise a family and bring my family to know Jesus. Okay, like this is part of the work of getting to this place where I can serve where I'm serving God by serving my family. Um, and so, so there is like a long journey there to sort of intellectually um, close that gap. But that, but that is some of the question. And also, this is um, you don't want to bypass like or forget like it's also about your own formation, right? Our academics and the life. We, really, I'll say this: like the primary work of this life is being formed into the image and likeness of God. It's being, it's, it's, um, it's growing in intelligence. It's, it's. Um, it's strengthening our will. It's kind of integrating the human person and doing academic work, which takes discipline, which takes sacrifice, which takes consistency. All of this is deeply formative for the human person. And some of these very natural skills are going to serve you well um, in being patient. They're going to serve you well in being able to do difficult things. They're going to serve you well in persevering in something that you don't want to have to maybe do, right? These very natural skills are going to serve you well in loving others well, in, in loving your family well. And so I do think it's, it is about the learning, which is at the service of the mission, but it's also about your own, your own formation. Um, and the Lord, the Lord, right, the Lord can use all of it. Yeah. You know, that brings up another thing that I'd like to highlight that you've talked about several times, and I kind of want to just give it its own space, is talking about the spiritual life as a journey. I think for a lot of people— we and not to use a cliche, but think of it think of it in terms more of a sprint than a marathon. And that 
maybe, and I think this is great when maybe people have just had a conversion experience or something and they're, they're super on fire and they, they want to you know, make changes to their life and they should, and that that's beautiful and good. But I think sometimes people get frustrated when, you know, it's maybe two months in and they don't feel like a completely different person yet. Or maybe they feel frustrated at just the phase of life they're in. Again, to use students, maybe it's, okay, but once I get out of school, I'll be able to actually do things. Or maybe people are on the other end and they're like, man, my job takes up so much of my time. I can't wait till I can retire and then I'll be going to, you know, service every day or something. Or there's these different things. But can you speak a little bit more about viewing the spiritual life as a journey as opposed to just this thing that I'm going to conquer tomorrow? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and probably, so as you, as you mentioned, our, the podcast, the name of the podcast is Poco a Poco, which is little by little. And where that, where that comes from is, is twofold and it'll, it'll make sense of this, the journey kind of language is, um, we, I lived in Honduras for two years as a friar and we have a sort of a medical center there that gives free care to the poorest of the poor. And, and one of the things is people come from four, six, eight hours away and it, it, you do have to get, when you get there, you do have to like wait because um, we can't have everybody in at the same time. So there's a, t- there's a, a period of time where some of these patients are, are, are just kind of waiting, spending the day together. And so one of the brothers would go and he'd just kind of talk to them. He'd pray with them. He'd bring some song sheets. They'd sing, sing some songs together. But he can never really learn Spanish. He, he just couldn't really get it. He was already in his 50s when he moved to Honduras and he just didn't have the chip. And so he asked and he learned one of these, these phrases that he'd used to encourage these patients, which is, somos peregrinos poco a poco, vamos a llegar. Like, we are pilgrims. We're pilgrims on this earth. But little by little, we're going to make it. And then sometimes be like, donde? Paraiso. Where? Like, heaven. Um, and and this, this, is, this is consistent as well at, with our, like, our Franciscan, um, the CFR, Franciscan Friars Rule, like, charism, where... Um, what, sort of in the official statement of what we're about, it's like that the friars give a prophetic witness that life is a pilgrimage to the Father made in faith, hope, and charity. And so um, the it, it's a journey, but, it, but it's a particular type of journey, which is a pilgrimage. And what's a pilgrimage? A pilgrimage is a journey to a holy place, right? And it does take time. And I think there's a lot of good news in that because... Um, hey, this, this, is, this, this life is difficult. Right, and on this side of eternity, there's there's going to be struggle, and there's going to be there's going to be suffering, and there's going to be difficulty, um, and there's going to be waiting. But we're going somewhere, right? That 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 the Lord is waiting for us. He's prepared a place for us, a place where every tear will be wiped away. And so we want to like we want the the pilgrimage motif. Um, it's one of hope, and it's a great reminder not to get too attached um, to this world, but to keep our eyes on on where we're going. And the second component of it. I'll, I'll use the the image of of uh, that the Lord uses that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that's planted, right? And so it's a, it's a seed that's planted, um, that that becomes this great tree. But it becomes the great tree over the passing of time, through through the regular care, through the daily receptivity of the sunlight. Like you don't go from seed to full grown tree by tomorrow. And that, that's the words, the Lord's own image of the kingdom of God. And I think that's true for us is that um, human experience, this experience of discipleship shows us that the Lord doesn't transfigure us and transform us and divinize us um, like that. He invites us like he did the disciples, come and follow me. And, and it is a journey and it does take time. And again, that's important. I think it's important because it, 
it can take some of the pressure off um, because we do, we, we want to go from A to Z overnight, but that's just, that's just not how it works. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was a really great explanation of that. And I liked how you brought in kind of the, the charism of the CFR as well. Speaking of that, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, I, I think, of course, all of this is going to apply to all followers of Jesus. And we've been talking about kind of the spiritual life in general, but I, I want to talk a little bit about some things that are maybe distinctly Franciscan. And one thing I've heard you guys talk about on your podcast a little bit is the emphasis on the cross in the Franciscan spiritual tradition. Can you speak to that a little bit? And what does the cross teach us? Um, which I know is obviously a huge question, but maybe uh, specifically like in, in the Franciscan way. Yeah, great. Um, Cause of course, right. This, the, the cross is this um, it's a fundamental Christian truth, which certainly uh, Franciscans wouldn't be bold enough to try and like have a monopoly on. Um, so, I, and and part of it probably goes just like you know Saint Francis is um, Saint Francis isn't just the one who gave us like a rule. Um, we don't just try and live the way he told us to live or something like that. Primarily, what Saint Francis offers to Franciscans is a model. It's a way of life. And this is actually something different about the way that Franciscans have relationship to their founder than um, a, a lot of other orders where the primary thing, like, like Benedictines don't talk so much about St. Benedict as they do the rule of St. Benedict, for example. Um, or Dominicans, isn't, maybe the focus isn't so much just on like St. Dominic and how he lived, but you know, on, on the spirituality theology, particularly even with the primacy of, of Aquinas. Whereas Franciscans are very concerned about St. Francis. And, um, and so like, what were the great loves of St. Francis? The great loves of St. Francis were these, these ways, these places in which kind of the crib, uh, the crib where, where God, like it basically um, St. Francis was fascinated with the humility of God, right? Um, and so these places where God became low and stayed low, uh, the, the, the incarnation, taking flesh, becoming a baby and crawling among us, the way he comes to us in word, the way he comes to us, like, and again, like the scripture, it's like this poor word, the way he comes to us in the, in the distress in the sky of the poor, the way he comes to us so poor in the most holy Eucharist, which had a primacy in, in the spirituality of St. Francis. But then the way that Jesus comes and, and the fullness of emptying of himself, which is on the cross. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of, of a slave, right? Being born in the likeness of men, it was thus that he humbled himself, obediently accepting even death, death on a cross. And because of this, God highly exalted him. Um, it's this, it's, the, the cross is this place par excellence of the self-emptying of Jesus. And as we're following Jesus in this self-emptying, which is this radical giving Jesus, the Father radical permission, permission to care for us, to raise us up. Like this is, um, this, the, it's got to have a special place in, in, our, in our time, in our devotion, um, because if we're going to ourselves um, be those who carry the cross well, those who imitate Jesus in this area well, like we have to be praying with it uh, on a regular basis as well. So thank you for that. Let, let's dig into that a bit. You talk about praying with the cross on a regular basis, kind of meditating on the cross. For some people that might just seem very ethereal, how is what's one way that someone like today, right after this video, could incorporate like a centrality of the cross into their spiritual life? Yeah, and um, there's a number, there's a there's a huge amount of, of ways in which you can do this. Uh, one very basic one, which is like a, a basic practice of mine, is I do have a crucifix in my what we call our rooms is our cell. 
and this is just a very basic part of it is um, at least once a day in the morning I, I should pick up the cross and I kiss I kiss the cross and I say Jesus I know that you um, I know that you see me you love me and you desire to be with me forever right because the cross isn't first isn't isn't just about the pain or the or the payment for our debt but it's this expression of his care for us and so I do I just have this little reminder of of what the cross speaks to me um, another thing certainly is just having regular contact with the gospel accounts of the passion. I think that this is the word of God and these are privileged places to go and to just remember, basically like to remember what our inheritance is, to remember the great love um, and the great care, to remember the cost of our hope, um, like that we have been purchased by the blood of the lamb. Like just to, to go there on a regular basis, I think is, is great. Um, we certainly, you know, within the Catholic space, devotions to, to things such as um, the way of the cross or the stations of the cross of um, praying the sorrowful mysteries, which go through again, kind of the, the Lord's passion um, are all are all beautiful ways or just as simple, simple as having a cross and looking on it at a regular basis and saying thank you um, can also just be a, a really kind of good starting point. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. I, I love being able to give people those kind of practical tips, because again, I think today we have no shortage of content, right? I mean, we're, we're all making videos. There's an endless amount. You can learn anything you want and have such deep and rich uh, content online. But if we're not putting this into practice, it doesn't end up really going too far and impacting our life, which I think is one of the, the big hurdles to get over in this space in general. But I really appreciate you giving some of those really practical ways of implementing that. You've talked about this crisis of prayer, and we gave some examples here with the cross, but I want to dig in practically again. If people hear that and they say, man, like, okay, I want to have a better prayer life. I I want to, to prioritize this. I agree with you that there is this crisis of prayer, but honestly, prayer's hard for me, or prayer's boring, or I, I don't know what to do when I pray. I, I get distracted. What kind of just pastoral tips would you give for them to kind of begin putting this into motion? Yeah, and again, I think uh, I think if you will pilgrimage or, or journey, um, the paradigm is helpful. Like, I, I do remember as a, a teenager uh, kind of being around, hanging out at, at youth ministry, and, and one of the women who worked there inviting me into the chapel and, you know, I went in and said an Our Father and a Hail Mary and a Glory Be, which took about like 30 seconds. And I was like, okay, like, what do I, what do, I do now? You know, and now like 15 years later, it's, you know, I'm, I'm praying, whatever it is, you know, hours a day. So it's like, we start where we're at. We start where we're at. And it's okay if, if maybe we don't like really know what to do. Well, it's, it's we can, but, but the idea is like, we got to start somewhere. Um, the, the first, so the first idea is like, hey, just, just be patient with yourself. Um, like, like, uh, you know, do the best you can pray, pray as you can. And, um, and like begin, begin the journey. Um, I do think one of probably two principles, one of like a driving principle behind habits for holiness, the book is just this idea that we, we generally don't have a sincerity problem, but a strategy problem. Mm-hmm. And so how many people of us are like, how many people are like, yeah, I do. I, I want to pray and I want to pray better, but I keep trying and I keep kind of failing probably it's not a sincerity problem, it's a strategy problem. And so, so I do feel very strongly that um, you want to schedule it. You know, you do want to try and be like, ideally it's at the beginning of the week. I mean, ideally it's the same time every day, but if that's not going to work for you, it's like, can, like at the beginning of the week, can we, can we, 
kind of carve out and schedule some prayer times or or even all right so if that maybe doesn't work at the beginning of the day in your morning okay here's where i'm going to pray today um best case scenario it is in the morning because as the as your day gets going the likelihood of the inertia of the events of life causing you not to stop and pray is going to be pretty it, it just increases as the day goes on um so so trying to so committing to it, um, being patient with yourself, scheduling it, and then and then doing it. And there's there's a ton of different examples of prayer. I think um, for for our, our viewers, certainly the practice of lexio divina is is something that I would um, I would offer as a great starting point, which is basically kind of a you pick a you, for the sake of this conversation, you pick a gospel passage, maybe a parable, you read it, you sit with it, you read it again, you sit with it. Um, and then you talk to the Lord about what's going on. Uh, I think that's, that would be a great place to start. Or just, hey, like I'm in the car and for the first 10 minutes, I'm just going to, I'm going to know that God's with me and I'm just going to share what's going on as I would with a friend. I think that's a really beautiful way to pray as well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing both of those. And thanks for all of this today. There has been so much that I think people can walk away from this with and begin to actually implement change in their life and to start, you know, forming those habits of holiness. And I appreciate the way you've given us a definition of what holiness is and shown that this isn't just for this one class of people, but this is a journey that all of us can embark on, a pilgrimage for all of us. So thank you so much for that. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on today. I'd love to just let you close with any final advice you might give for people as they're embarking on this pilgrimage, maybe some people who are new to this or people who have been on this for a long time. I know the channel has people all across that spectrum. Uh, any closing words you'd like to give on that? And then I would love for you to let people know where they can find uh, you, the book, and what you all are up to. Yeah, I think... Um... It's just, you know, I, I've lived um, this life for about 11 years, which is pretty kind of like all in for Jesus, right? And I've taken a lot of risks in it. And, you know, um, and, and it's certainly in a sense like given a lot of uh, lots to the Lord. But one of the truths that I'm convicted of with all that I am is um, that God is the best of fathers. He's, he's worthy of our trust and not outdone in generosity. And so whatever we like, whatever we give him, whatever space we create for him, um, whatever sacrifices we make for him in obedience to what he asks of us, you know, like he's never, we're never going to outgive God and, um, the relationship with the Lord and like the interior relationship with the Lord is a real relationship and it's a satisfying relationship and, um, it's the best. And so I do just encourage folks to, um, to take that next best step in their spiritual life, the next best step in prayer. And, um, yeah, to taste and see the goodness of the Lord for themselves. So that, that's, that's my my encouragement. It's just so good and so real. And there's just so many other distractions gone for our time and attention. It's like, hold on, everybody. This just, this is this, like, give this a try first. Um, cause he, the Lord's so good. The Lord is so good. Um, all right. And so that, so that would be kind of my, my closing invitation, exhortation, whatever. Um, for, for more from the Friars, if you kind of want to walk with us, um, certainly I think the Poco Poco podcast, which can be found wherever podcasts are found. Um, including YouTube, uh, would probably be a great place to continue to journey with us. Um, Habits for Holiness is available at ascensionpress.com uh, forward slash holiness. Or, um, yeah, to be honest, like we have a pretty active social media Instagram as well. So CFR underscore Franciscans could be a cool place to stay in touch as well. 
Awesome. Well, Father Mark Mary, thank you so much for your time today. And I want to thank all of you who watch this whenever it is in the future that you're watching this. I really appreciate your time. I don't take that lightly. I'll close as I always do by saying until next time, be on the lookout for more videos. But most importantly, go out and love God and love others because truly above all else, that will change the world. Mm -hmm.